Drink This Beer is brought to you by The Beer Guys. BeerGuysRadio.com is where you need to go to get the scoop on what's going on in craft beer. That's BeerGuysRadio.com. And if you like the show, consider becoming one of our sponsors. Head to Patreon.com slash BeerGuys. That's Patreon.com slash BeerGuys. Welcome to Drink This Beer, a show dedicated to craft beer and the people who make it. Each episode, we'll get the stories behind the brews you love. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? And welcome to Drink This Beer. It is the podcast that talks to the brewers and makers of the beer that you love to drink. I'm Aaron Williams. And I'm Brian Hewitt. Yes, filling in for Tim Dennis this week. Who's on assignment. On assignment, which is always like my favorite thing because... Yeah, on assignment means you could just could be on vacation. You know, you know. He's on the moon. Exactly, he's on the moon. So, yeah. joining us though on the on the phone today uh, is the owner and brewer Mike Palin from Microphone Brewing from Elk Grove Village, Illinois. It's uh, just outside of Chicago. So, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, not a problem. I said, like, thanks for having me. I'm I'm honored to be on and honored to share what we're doing here. And hopefully, more people hear about us and come up and visit us here in outside of Chicago, Illinois. I know it's going to get cold here for some of you Atlanta people, but uh, yeah. You know what? It's always fun to come up here and see what we do, and I love when I go down there and visit too. So, well, I, again, I love it. it be on and yeah, excited. it's always warm at the brewery, That's no matter true. how cold it is That's outside. True. Yes, <laughs> that is true. That yeah. is true. Although it's so funny because our system goes through the ups and downs, and so our glycol system got freaked out this year because it was built to handle you know just kind of a, a normal climate. Mm-hmm. Well, we spike up to the hundreds, we go down to negative twenty, negative thirty. And the glycol chiller was like, nope, not doing that. <laughs> nice. We had, we had to reprogram it. And it's funny because you go through it, you'll be sweating through the summer. And it's like, can we get down to 35? Can we get down to 35? And then in the winter, you're like, oh, shoot, it's almost below 32. We've got to bump it up. So. Yeah. Well, it kind of sounds like the, the AC unit. Here in the Midwest. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the AC unit here in the, in, the, uh, in the radio station because we've got to make sure that the equipment is cool enough. So it's always like 40 degrees in the middle of the summer, and then it, it cranks up to like about 80 in the winter. So it's always fun. So, yeah. Yep. But <laughs> anyway, well, cool. Well, Mike, uh, again, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's talk about uh, your journey. Like, how did you get into craft beer? Uh, that's the easiest one. Yeah. It's easy question. It's hard to answer. There you Honestly, go. It's been, it's been kind of a long journey. Um, my dad, so I grew up in Milwaukee, just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and my dad worked in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at Miller Brewing Company. Okay. So growing up, I was kind of always around it and exposed to it and um, you know, I kind of was one of those kids who kept their heads in the books with student government and this and that and really didn't drink during high school and really focused on getting into a good college. Um, so I never really thought about beer, never really drank beer. Um, but then once I got to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, I took a botany class that either challenged us to grow a garden or brew a beer. And I was like, dude, we're, <laughs> we're going to brew a beer. It's yeah. nothing, nothing no-brainer. And so that was kind of the first experience of me actually brewing by myself. And obviously I knew the process and knew everything that went into a brewery, but it was the first time I ever got exposed to brewing by myself. And uh, you know, that went well, and it, it really piqued my interest. And I later moved from Madison to Chicago. Um, and if you know anything about big cities, it's not a lot of room and not a lot of space to brew beer. So we had to wait two more years until I got my own house. And then once I did, I was blessed enough to have a house that had a cellar and a basement that wow. was pretty much set, set up to make wine and, um, you know, homemade pasta sauce and stuff like that. And we basically just moved right in and it has pitched floors, it has hot cold water splitter, it has a, a cleaning sink, and then it had a space where I could put a hood and vent and everything in. So 
you know, we kind of built a, a little homebrew system and just started going to town between, you know, all grain and extract and whatever we could figure out and whatever we could learn. Um, and that's kind of where it started. And, you know, throughout the whole process, I was, you know, I've always kind of been working in some kind of marketing opportunity. So, you know, when you go out and hand out beers, it's not just, hey, here's my beer, try it. I wanted to make sure people knew who it was from and what it was all about. So I put the name Microphone Brewing on it, you know, way back. I think it's almost eight, ten years ago now. Um, so we had this little logo a long, long time ago, and you know, I took it to anybody who would listen, who would give me a valued opinion. You know, your friends and family are great. Yeah, but they want to look you dead in the eye and tell you, "Hey, it's too roasty," or they might even know that. So you know, I was lucky enough to meet the guys at Pipeworks Brewing in Chicago. Mm. Within their walls, they had Drew Fox from 18th Street and Brad and Jason from Spiteful and. That just kind of opened up a door to numerous people in the industry who would try my beer and give me feedback. And, you know, the industry up here is really tight. We're all helping each other out and we're all, you know, gaining knowledge and sharing ideas and there for each other and supportive. So instead of instead of uh, like musicians giving out mixed tapes, were you giving out mixed sixes of beer to kind of get your name out? That's because I think. It was funny because um, Pipeworks had moved from their old facility to a new facility, and I'd always, you know, brought beer there and just dropped off stuff and shared it. And he was like, hey, we're moving, and I found this four-pack, and I always coated the top of them with, like, a little, you know, letters or whatever it was. He's like, what were these? I'm like, oh, man, those are some blasts in the past beers. But, yeah, it was, you know, here's two bottles, here's a four-pack, here's whatever you can try, just give me honest feedback. And that was kind of where it all started, and, you know, after being at Piper's for a little bit, helping them bottle and you know, brew every once there, um, I met Drew Fox from 18th Street Brewery, and he was kind of, you know, starting his Kickstarter and needed a little bit of help with uh, the marketing plan and a little bit of digital stuff. So I helped him with that, and, and along the ride, he's like, "Hey, come brew with me too." And we just started kind of brewing every day together, and that's when we started looking for his location. And the plan was for Microphone Brewing to set up shop inside of 18th Street's initial place in Gary, Indiana. So I'd be his assistant brewer. Then I would, in my free time, I would do the microphone stuff. Um, but then, then the story continues on where Drew actually introduced me to a guy in Chicago who was opening up a new brew pub and thought it was a good opportunity for me to kind of you know, spread my wings and put the microphone brand on the backside and work under this this um, brew pub. And unfortunately, that whole thing kind of got derailed with just some, some, some bad things that happened and just bad management. Um, but throughout that process, I was able to you know, brew at 30 different breweries and learn from whoever I could. And I got to brew in Costa Rica and I got to kind of shadow at Spice Bowl every Thursday, Friday. And finally we decided that my wife and I decided it was time to go, go on our own. You know, it was like mm-hmm. we dealt with, we had to deal with and we've had microphone brand and we've people have been wearing our shirts for years and years and years. Um, let's, let's, let's finally invest in ourselves and take microphone to the next level. So how and long so did, did it, that. How long did it take you to go from the concept of microphone brewing, just that idea, the logo, the name, to go from that to actually opening up a brewery with that name, producing beers under that name? Yeah, it was, it was you know, over over five years. Um, these okay. Days. I mean, it's probably closer to seven years, but yeah, it was, because, I mean, you know, some of the stuff in the basement was just us hanging out and doing this and me just throwing a little logo on it. Um, but it really didn't get into the development of, we could actually open a brewery and do this full time. It was a hobby. Um, and like they say, if you can turn your hobby into a job, then it's just, it's icing on the cake. It's the most sure, amazing definitely. thing to do. Um, and it, it, 
it became a reality. It, it just became people giving me the confidence and letting me know that, hey, if we like your beer, we like what your branding is, and you, you should do it. And so I had a really great job working at School of Rock. Um, School of Rock had moved their headquarters from New Jersey to Chicago, outside of Chicago, and I jumped on board as their um, marketing manager. And, you know, great job, and I was doing everything I love to do in the music industry. But at that time, I was working with True 18th Street, and we made the decision. It was just time for me to kind of do my thing and go on my own. So... Uh, it's been a journey. I've learned a lot. I've, you know, had some ups. I've had some really low downs. But um, once we finally trusted ourselves, my wife was behind me. We we knew we were doing the right thing. Um, and it was it was fun. And it's been a, it's been a wild wild journey. I can tell you that much. I mean, we've only had the new space open for a little over seven months. And there are days it feels like seven days. There are days it feels like seven years. Um, but it's it's fun to do what we love to do every day and share what we do with consumers and you know we've got some guys who just set up and started brewing here too and giving them the experience now to get their brand off the ground and get going and it's, it's all good stuff you know we've got we have issues we deal with issues every day but we learn from them sure. we grow from them and try to get better so yeah and i think uh, like I said, yeah well well mike you know it's funny because uh, you talk about that it's good to always have a wife that understands I've got one of those too, <laughs> so so you know to have one. It's like you know what I'm just going to go ahead and do my thing and pursue my dreams. So you need to have make sure yeah, that you've got that one. What's the line from Days and Confused? Behind every great man is a great woman. That's right. That, I, mean, I mean, honestly, without my wife, I would not be doing what we're doing today. I mean, she's she's been the the moral support, the financial support. Um, you know, she let me quit my job, and we've been writing off her her salary for several years now. And I I still won't take a paycheck until we've got everything cleared and um, everything set and good to go. But, um, yeah, she's, she's there. She's supportive. I've got two kids at home. Um, and, you know, she knows that we have this business. We run this business. And there's times where she's like, I got it. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah. like I said, I was, out in, I was out in Yakima for a few days, you know, doing half selection. Yep. Came back. And the next two days later, we fly out to Denver. And, you know, it's hard. you got to find that life-work balance. Um, and so I, I pulled the trigger, like, on a couple of days before we left for Denver. I'm like, you know what? I'm bringing the family out with me. Because like I can't, it's hard to be away. Oh yeah, we are lives and just be away from that. So, I've got I've got three little ones, so I completely understand where you're coming from, Mike. That's uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, my my daughter's five; she just turned five. My son turned two in February. Those are the most important memories they'll have. And you know, if, if I'm the if I'm the dad who's not around, I just it's not that's not my goal. Yeah. So we and definitely that, try to figure that out and balance it out and make them a part of it. My daughter is. She's she she's like the light of my life. She's hilarious, and she comes into the tasting room all the time. And people ask her, "What's the next beer you're gonna make?" Because since I mean, obviously she couldn't brew when she was younger, but um, you know, year two we started making a birthday beer, and she was involved, and she was mashing in, and then that's awesome. Like her adjuncts, and yeah, every year since then we we brew, and she knows every ingredient in beer, and she knows what to do, and she's she's a part of it. So it's been fun. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, my son is thirteen, and I kind of do the same thing for him. So he actually does a soda review for us on our show. That uh, that was so so he kind of. It's always fun to kind of put your kids into that uh, into that business as well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, my dad worked at Miller, but I never really was too much involved with that. Yeah, and for him it was it was a way for him to get us, you know, financial support and get us a better life than he had. That was one of my things. My dad always told me. Unfortunately, my dad passed away several years ago, but um, he always said, "Make your life." or make your kid's life better than your life. So that's yeah. you know, something I'll always do and make sure my kids do the same. And so no matter how much of a great life I've had, I want their lives to be better than mine. So we're trying to just give them these great experiences and be a part of it and just really have fun. And 
it's, it's exciting to see them light up and get excited about it too. Definitely. So I, I'm curious. Uh, I, I think this is something that you'll have a unique perspective on. What What is your thought on the haze craze when it comes to IPAs? I love it. I mean, it goes back. I to thought you might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of what, it's funny because it's kind of what our, our brand's been built on. I mean, when I first started homebrewing, it was all Hessas and Wits and stuff that was just, you know, I've always been a flavor guy. So I've always liked the bubble gum. I've always liked the clove. I've liked the orange peel, that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are really big beer beer lovers and beer geeks. And we've, we've made the pilgrimages out to Vermont and wherever we could. And, you know, the more and more we went out to Hill Farmstead and drank Heggy Topper and stuff like that, we realized, like, this is a really good beer. And it's kind of lacking in Chicago. And so I, I, I made it a point to kind of learn more about it. And when I was out in, in Portland, Oregon, so on the opposite coast, I had met the guys from Imperial Organic Yeast. And he kind of sent me home with some, some yeast, and we blended some stuff. And said, all right, let's just see what we can do and try to make our first, you know, New England-style beer in Chicago. And what was the, the big factor for me was when I was doing a bottle share with some friends, and most of them are, you know, they're Coors Light, real light drinkers. You know, we'd have a, a stout that was, you know, half-consumed. We'd have a sour yeah. half-consumed. We'd have this half-consumed. End of the night, there were eight bottles of that first bottle of special sauce um, mosaic that were gone. And it was, no matter who you were, entry-level, beer lover, it's just a very approachable style to have a ton of flavor and no harsh back end if you're not used to it. Now, so, you mentioned that, you mentioned special sauce, and that's something that I, re- I really wanted to know more about. It, it, that seems like that was a turning point. When you made that, that IPA, that hazy IPA, inspired, it was a New England style, correct? Yep. It, it, that, that made a, that kind of changed the direction or maybe changed the business of, uh, of your brewery, right? Is, is, that, is that fair to say? That really was a big changing force in the brewery? I think it helped a ton. I mean, honestly, when we first started, I've always been using a ton of oats. I've always been using a lot of hops. And I mean, the, the first place I contract brewed, the joke was, I make ugly beers. Because <laughs> in Chicago, we have a thing I call Chicago Clear. If you can see your hand through the beer, it's a good beer. I couldn't do that. No matter what I tried, crashing for a week, week and a half, I even tried biofine and cryofine, just things that get the stuff to drop out, it wouldn't drop out. So in the beginning, you know, everything was ugly beer, ugly beer, ugly beer. And then, you know, finally we went and the New England style started catching on and people were like, oh, cool. There's obviously a big difference between uh, uh, a double IPA that's got bitterness and it's just hazy because of natural things. There's another thing where it's a New England style that's more juicy and more approachable and just massively hopped and massively flavorful. So once that happened, no one was doing it in the market. Yeah, it, it, it sprung us to like nothing I've ever seen before. Because you do, I mean, sitting in the Midwest, you kind of get a shot of everything. You get a lot of stuff coming up from, you know, Georgia and Florida. You get a lot of stuff from the East Coast, a lot of stuff from the West Coast. So we try it all. Um, and, you know, at the time, Treehouse and Trillium were the big things. And oh, yeah. People were, people were trading their kids to get a six-pack or four-pack of, you know, Julius. Yeah. So the big thing I saw once we released Special Sauce the first time was, this is awesome. Now I don't have to go out of my way to drink this style of beer that I like to drink. Well, well, yeah, it's funny because, you know, a couple of years ago, the hazy Northeast IPA was basically in the Northeast, but we're based here in Atlanta, 
we're starting to see a lot more breweries do that hazy Northeast IPA thing too. So it's kind of d- doing the same thing. And I'm like, of course, Treehouse, Trillium, you know, Bissell Brothers, they're making fantastic, phenomenal beers. Oh, yeah, great beer. Yeah, yeah. But we don't necessarily have to, you know, beg and plead our friends who fly up to Portland uh, to try and get the, get that kind of beer because you're able to kind of get that now because people are starting to catch on to this. Yeah, it's funny. I I'm, I have the luxury of traveling a lot. So I was in Denver last week for a JBF, and I went to um, a buddy, Sean's place, Cerebral. He does a lot of the hazy stuff, and then he sent me to a place out in Frisco um, called Outer Range, and um, we at Outer Range just making killer beer mm-hmm. up there, you know, hazy, juicy stuff. And it's funny, so now everywhere you go, you can find a brewer who's doing it, and it's, it's not because we're chasing the dollar. It's because this is the stuff, at least for me, I like to drink this stuff. Yeah. For me, it's just, it, it's it's where my taste buds are at and it's what I like to make and what I like to drink so that's how we're doing it um, we just couldn't get it here so it was one of those things like you go to the store and can I find a old school IPA on the shelf sure can I find this can I find that yeah could I find a juicy non-bitter IPA no so we decided to make it and yeah it's definitely definitely changed our brand I mean we've kind of gotten you know I guess pretty better or worse we're kind of pigeonholed into that you're a hazy um, brewery but yeah it, it, it blows my mind, though, how it, it's a style that has drawn such a, a line in the sand where people either love it or hate it. Yeah, and, sure. I mean, to me, I, I don't – I mean, everybody's got different palates. There's a billion different beers out there. If you don't like the style, just move on and find a beer you like. But for some reason, I mean, some people just have such hatred. When I was out at uh, Yakima picking hops, I mean, I could hear these guys from the West Coast just – snarling about it and saying, well, at least I know how to finish a beer. I'm like, oh, man, geez. Like, That's harsh. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lot of work that goes into these beers, more than you even know. Like, we've got to figure out when to drop in that first hop and when biotransformation is going to take over and what temperature we're fermenting at. And I've talked to some brewers different. some brewers locally who are trying to replicate the, North, uh, the Northeast IPA style, and they've actually been complaining or the, trying to work around the fact that it clears up on them. They're like, we want hazier, and we can't achieve it. So there's there's something to be said for actually achieving the haze. It's not yeah. a given, and sometimes it takes some work, you know? Yeah, I've actually been consulted by a few breweries about that. And just, you know, I'm not going to hide anything. It's like, here's what we do. I don't know if this is what leads to it, but from what I've learned and what I know, this is what happens. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just funny to hear the people that just are despise it and you know, in Chicago, like I said, Chicago's one of those things, kind of older school style. We've got a lot of sea malt and, you know, a lot more um, bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of the old school guys who just hate it and will just tear into us and be like, show pictures of them dumping their, you know, their sludge and be like, hey, I made a hazy beer today. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. You're killing me. <laughs> you got to laugh about it, but it's like, why are you even doing that? Like, just move on. But it, the funny thing is now you see the people that, who initially were against it are starting to make yeah. them and you just go you just sit back and laugh you're like whatever you get it out exactly exactly well cool mike we're gonna take a quick break right now we're listening to drink this beer we're talking to mike Palin. he's the owner and brewer of microphone brewing in elk grove village illinois we'll be back right after this more drink this beer with tim and aaron coming up after this here at drink this beer we love to bring you the stories behind the craft beer and brewers that you love And we'd be grateful if you took the time out to check out our Patreon site. It's at patreon.com slash beer guys. If you choose to become one of our donors, we would really appreciate it. Plus, you get some awesome swag, including t-shirts, glasses, stickers, and some more stuff that's coming down the pike. 
Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer, part of the Beer Guys Radio Network. Tell a friend and head to patreon.com slash beerguys. Cheers. Welcome back to Drink This Beer with your hosts, Tim and Aaron. All right, welcome back to Drink This Beer. We are talking to Microphone Brewing out of Elk Grove Village, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Mike Palin is the owner and brewer, and uh, he's joined us. We're talking about a rollicking conversation about how he got started and uh, the hazy IPA craze, actually. So um, now, the, what, I, what I love about yours, uh, your brewery is that you've got such a great name, and uh, the way that you name and you, you kind of do your uh, your bottles' names and your beers' names uh you know, it kind of gets to my heart because I'm an old school rap guy from the 90s. And so uh, nice. tell me a little bit about uh, about your background with that. Uh, were you always a hip hop kid, too? Or uh, did, you, did you like that? Yeah, it's funny. So I grew up in Maguanago, Wisconsin, which I'm sure no one has ever heard of. It's a small farm town about 30 minutes outside of Milwaukee. I think at one point we had more cows than we had people. Yep. Um, and I was just, I, I don't know, I just got into it. I mean, at that point when I was growing up, it was. Bone Thugs and Harmony. And if you opened up, I, you can still go and find my old um, CD collection book. And the first, like, six pages are still Bone Thugs, Mo Thugs, Crazy Bone, Lazy Bone. Like, it's all still up front because that was just what I liked. I don't know. It was just it was one of those things I connected to. And then it was Warren G. And then the, the Snoop Dogg and Dre stuff came out. And you had just a plethora of cool stuff that, you know, your parents probably didn't want you listening. No, and that's the thing. I mean, Mike, you know, kind of I, one of those things. Yeah. yeah, you're speaking my language because I grew up in a cow town too, population 1500, um, outside of Seattle, and uh, you know, every Sunday night, the local University of Washington radio station would have a rap, like a two hour rap show, and I would just listen to that thing all the time. And my parents hated it, but I used to do it all the time. It was, it was so. So I hear you. I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's funny because my, so my dad's initials were R.A.P., so rap. But he was like, <laughs> nice. oh, I, I don't understand you kids in this rap. <laughs> you don't kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you don't, you don't have to, but it's, it's something we like, and it was different. It was like, it just, it had such a good flow and rhythm and beat, and I'm a bass, like, I love bass, so when, when I finally got a car and I had to put some subwoofers in there and just blast oh, that yeah. stuff out, and it was it was the best, and I mean, a lot of a lot of the beers that we come out with, it's kind of a soundtrack to my life. And you know, music has always been a huge part of my life. When I have a tattoo on my arm that says "Where words fail, music speaks," and it's just kind of been that. You know, if you're having a bad day, or if you're having a great day, or just the moment in time you got to remember, music connects all of that. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a no brainer for me. I was working in the music industry, and that's kind of what I've done since I've graduated college. Um, and so the name microphone is obviously a play on you know, the word microphone in my name. Um, so it'll be good so there won't be too many cease and desists out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then just, yeah, just it sh- sh- blends my two passions of music and making beer. And if you, if you, I mean, most of the stuff that you see from anything we put out there, it's got some kind of meaning to me, um, whether it be when I was a nine-year-old roller skating and listening to Warren G. Regulators for the first time, <laughs> doing something like that, you know, just yeah. songs can put me into an exact moment in my life and kind of drop those milestone markers and say, here's where I was at this age because I remember this song in that exact moment. And that's it's important to me. So just kind of doing the soundtrack to our lives. And um, sometimes so, we get off, the, get off the beaten path and find songs that are kind of obscure, but kind of show me or show who I am. And then if people ask you, hey, I never heard of this. Who is this? I'm like, well, here's this band. And here's how I heard about them. 
and then people go, "Hi, oh, it's cool. I'll check them out." So, so I was, you know, noticing the uh, the the obvious plays off of music with the names. I'm kind of curious, what what comes first? Do you, do you have like the beer name, and you're like, I need to brew something worthy of this name, or do you have a a beer concept, and you're like, I need to find a music related name to apply to this that seems appropriate, or do you do both? I mean, how does that work? It's definitely both. Um, there are times we're sitting back and being like, I, I, like the other day, I was like, I really want to make a Berliner with blueberry and maple. I'm trying to think, okay, what can I call this? And then all of a sudden I'm sitting back and we're going like, oh, we could do Blue Monday, we could do this, we could do that, we could do Blue this. And all of a sudden, like, breakfast at Tiffany's. There you go. Done. And all of a sudden I was just like, it was, it, 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 there was no question. I asked my one of my other brewers, I'm like, what about breakfast at Tiffany's? He's like, oh, yeah, totally. And then, I mean, the name of the artist who sang the song was Deep Blue Something. That's so right. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so it just works. And it was like, all right, so that kind of just happened. Um one of the names I cannot take credit for, and it's kind of one of our our biggest beers out there, is smells like bean spirit. Which um, which I had on I, here. I, I'm like, I love that name. That's, a, that's a I do too. I, I like love, the concept love, of the beer. I love to take responsibility for that name. But a friend of mine, um, Paul, who's just been a fan of mine, um, was like, Hey, dude, I got a great name. You got to do smells like bean spirit. You got to do a coffee stuff. Oh yeah. I'm like, cool. Done. And at that time, I was like, Let's throw maple in there, and then it became this crazy breakfast out that now is you know and you have an imperial version of that too which is even more exciting right yeah we have the imperial version um we haven't done the regular version in a long time so we've been stepped it up to the imperial version the vanilla imperial version and then on saturday we're releasing the original version um like it's probably been like a two-year hiatus we're gonna do that in 12 ounce bottles four pack 12 ounce bottles for the first time ever nice nice that's what i'm sipping on Sipping on right now, making sure it's good to go so we can package it up tomorrow. Quality control, very That's important. That's what I wish I was sipping on right now, <laughs> exactly. honestly. Yeah, Brian's, <laughs> Brian's our coffee nerd of the crew, so, uh, oh, so that's I love key. a coffee beer. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, we got lucky. So the same guy who gave me the name for uh, that beer, he knew uh, a local roaster. Um, and he was kind of, he's, I'll, I'll call him a coffee nerd. He totally, I mean, he even came in one day and we were making, we had caribou coffee. And he was like, oh, what is this swill? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, cool. I got it. I get it. And he's like super into coffee. So, What's the local had... roaster out of curiosity? Because I do know of a local roaster out of Chicago as a result of Shelton Fest. Okay, the... this is a Tugboat Coffee Roaster. So I don't think it's... Ah, uh, uh, all right. Well, Tugboat, um, his name's Eric. He's awesome. He's just as excited about what we're doing about beers as coffee. So he's deep into going to the farms and picking and getting the right beans and all that stuff. And, you know, he's, he's not a huge beer drinker, but he loves what we're doing, experimenting with it. And he's, he's here every week dropping off coffee for the sale and tasting room and then also letting us experiment with new coffee too. So, I mean, I think we do, we have a coffee beer on rotation at all times. Very cool. Kind of our, our oh, thing, yeah. Brian will be right over. I'm moving there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so Mike, uh, tell us uh, again, I, I'm kind of going off of Tim's notes that he's not here, so I'm, 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 I'm a little bit behind the eight ball on this. Uh, what's Pale Popper Day? So Pale Popper Day, um, it's a, a friend of mine started a long time ago. And, you know, being as close as we are to Indiana, we would typically go to Three Floyd's Dark Lord Day. Oh, yeah. Uh, but as, as that thing kind of grew and exploded to what it is today, <laughs> it's sometimes not as easy to get tickets. So there were a lot of us that were shut up from it. And um, we all decided, Hey, let's just kind of have a, a big 
hang out and bottle share. Yeah. So first year was hang out bottle share. Next year was like, wow, the, the car that wants to do it is, is looking a lot bigger than we ever anticipated. Can we do it at a brewery? And at the time, I was brewing out of a place called Slapshot. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And then we're like, let's take it to the next level. Let's make a beer called Pale Popper. Let's invite a ton of people. Let's have a band. And it became a pretty big thing. The next year, we got a proper location, did a ticketed event, did a bottle release. And then this year at my place, we did the latest iteration of it. Um, it became kind of its own fest. And, you know, it definitely was on the same day as, as um, Dark Lord Day. So what's the opposite of a Dark Lord? A Pale Popper. <laughs> uh, nice. You know, it, it was just, like I said, it was an alternative. It was nothing against Three Floyds. And honestly, like, I love those guys. And I, I typically wear the sweatshirt and knit hat every other day when it's in the wintertime. Um, Nick initially had helped Drew and I out with some hops in the beginning. So I've got no hate for those guys at all. It was just kind of an alternative thing for us who couldn't get tickets and didn't want to deal with going down there and all that stuff. Well, sometimes, I mean, you just, the, the hype gets so crazy. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. you, you get people that, that go to a place in nowhere, Iowa, and sit in line for six hours to buy this beer, and, you know, they're paying three figures for it. And, yep. and you know, we saw this uh, earlier this year, uh, Brian, we went to Hunapu's Day. Sure. You know, in Tampa, we, you know, it's funny because you just saw people with these huge long lines for these, these quote unquote whale beers right next to them were beers with no line and they were phenomenal. And it was just like, I'm like, okay. A I'm few s- of them were local whales. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. one of them was a, was a beer that actually taps once a month and is, it, it's completely out. The keg is completely out in 15 minutes. There was not a single person in line for it. Walk right up, get as much as you want. It's it's a very interesting thing how that works. The hype and yeah. you know everything built up. So it's nice to have an alternative. I like the name of yeah, it, Pale so Popper. I, so we, we did it this year because we had just opened up in March. And I think we did the event a month and a half later. So it was kind of cool. You know, we're the new shiny thing, and let's have an event. And we had a great turnout. We had a ton of brewers who came and donated beer. We had School of Rock playing music, um, local food vendors, and at the end of the day, we were able to raise enough money where I was able to contribute $10,000 to the local VSW. That's awesome. So that, that, that's what was most important about it. And honestly, like now, we, after everything we do, we always sit down and analyze it and take a, take a looking back at it. We decided that, you know, we don't want to get into um, a battle with Three Floyds at all. I mean, there were some people who started taking two posts and saying some really nasty stuff about us trying to, trying to take down Three Floyds. And yeah. That. It's never the point. So we're actually going to shelf that event. It's actually going to go kind of back to its roots and just, Hey, whoever's available, let's go to this location and do a bottle share. We're just going to scrap it from here on out. So I gotcha. So, I might just do it instead because, you know, it was so close to our, our opening that we're just going to kind of parlay it into a, a grand opening um, event. There you go. There on you an go. off week. On an off week off of that um, through slide. So, but yeah, it was fun. We, like I said, it, it brought together a lot of people. The whole point of it was just to, it was beer karma. Hey, get together, share some beers, have a great conversation, have a good time. No worries. And you gave to charity. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing, I think. I mean, that kind of justifies all of it. No malice, and you know, gave a little something to charity. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it be, between the combination of the brewers donating so much beer, um, local businesses in our industrial parks helping out, all the guys who came in and purchased tickets, we collectively raised money. And those guys were shooting to get an elevator in their building. So, you know, VFW guys, they... Oh yeah, they've had some. They've had some hardships, and sure. the building that they have here was very old, and they have they just had stairs. They didn't have an elevator, so they've been lobbying to get this thing, and we contributed a quarter of that amount of money that they needed to get it. So That's we, awesome, you know. And we've only we were only open a month and a half, and so being in the small town they are of Elk Grove, the mayor was you know beyond happy, and 
you know, like I said, I can't take all credit. It was a joint effort doing this, but it definitely, um, it definitely was a good thing for us to kind of solidify ourselves in the community. So it was great. Well, cool. Well, Mike, uh, we're going to wrap up here uh, with a uh, microphone brewing. Mike Palin, the owner and brewer of uh, Microphone. Uh, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, kind of keep in touch of what you guys are doing. What should we do? You know, the best way, honestly, is um, as much as we have a website, microphonebrewing.com. The best is I'm always on social media, so it's microphone brewing, uh, the Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we don't do Twitter too much because that just is it's, it's a, an ongoing conversation. We like to give you <laughs> a bunch of information up front. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll respond when we can and answer questions that are valid. Um, yeah, but just check, check our Facebook, check our Instagram. That's the best place. I mean, we, we post at least twice a day for the most part. I am completely honest and open person. I listen to feedback. I read forums. Um, you know, we're dealing with the whole situation from when we had our last release of having just Kind of a really a really great day and a really 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 rough day. That that um, happens. That, yeah, it does. Yeah, we, we didn't anticipate thirteen hundred people showing up and wanting our beer. Um, and just we've learned a lot from that day because we've talked to consumers, we listened to forums, we've read through messages on Facebook, and so we're gearing gearing up this weekend to you know right the wrongs we did and learn from what we did and fix it and make it better. So yeah, you know, it's a joint effort. We're not you know. I was a home brewer to start. Um, I've got some business background, but we're here to learn and we're here to grow and do this better. Like, don't 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 destroy somebody just because they had one bad release. Give them your honest feedback. Let them know, hey man, yeah, it wasn't the best. Here's what you can do, and we'll listen to that. I mean, there's little things like somebody said, hey, there were no garbage cans. And we're like, oh, I didn't even think. <laughs> didn't about think that. exactly. You know? It's a little thing like that. Yeah, we had a food truck outside. There should have been a garbage can. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, those things are helpful. We learn from that. We listen. So let's just have an open dialogue on, on social media. And, and then if you want to really, really see me and talk to me, come to Elk Grove Village. We've got a cool little tasting room with a brewery attached to the back of it. So come up here and visit and drink some beer, and we'll be here. That sounds like a plan. Mike Palin, thank you so much for joining us on Drink This Beer. Appreciate it. Not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. More beer stories? Head to BeerGuysRadio.com. Follow the Beer Guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Want more craft beer news? Listen to the Beer Guys Radio Show, available every Saturday morning. Drink This Beer, produced and developed by Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams, part of the Beer Guys Media Radio Network, BeerGuysRadio.com.